So the gatekeepers must complete their ritual to complete the powerful seal that locks the plane of madness away from the material plane. And the battle rages around them. On the walls of the canyons. On the walls of the canyons. On the walls of the canyons. Dangerous drive through Chapel in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 337 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about how to plan, play, and ruin weddings. But first, the party fights for their lives in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, everybody's type is in it for the long haul in the Character Creation Forge. So before we do that, we should talk a little bit about a cool project that you have uh, just released. Yeah, maybe some of you saw um, there's a Canadian publisher called Hit Point Press who has a pretty cool series. Uh, they release mostly monthly uh, called Big Bads. Uh, these are boss monsters that run the gamut of you know every level tier in fifth edition uh, D&D and I have uh, written one a level 21 uh, epic boss creature called Iku the Unmaker uh, the wish that walks uh, let's see a little bit of background it was created as a gift for a child by a wish spell uh, and then tragedy separated uh, Iku from the child that it was literally created to be best friends with and that it has twisted it and now it uses its own wish abilities and powers uh, to cause uh, pain and suffering. Um, so it's very mean. It's very uh, difficult. There's some there's some like uh, story abilities that it has. There's a lot of like reality warping and twisting. There's a, there's a lot of like let me hone in on the person or creature that you care about most in the world and uh, erase them from existence, that that sort of thing. So uh, it was a lot of work. Uh, you can take a look at it. Uh, I think you need to uh, sign up for their Patreon to get it, but you can take a look. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and they released a bunch of uh, previews, so you can sort of get a taste to see if it's something that you're interested in. Yeah, and it comes with like a, a art map, uh, a, a downloadable STL if you want to 3D print a uh, a model of it. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a pretty cool package. Like I, I mine isn't out yet, uh, and I won't spoil anything. But I'm I'm very excited just to like see it brought to life. Uh, and I think the model actually looks rad. So that's good. It's a hopefully very creepy, imaginary creature. You know, it comes with like all the big bads come with both stats, but then also information about like background for the creature or the the you know character or person, tactics that they use. Um, a magic item too. Yeah, exactly. So at least one magic item. Um, usually a layer uh, that you can place them in. So there's basically everything that you need to know about this creature in order to use them in your game, right? out of the PDF. So, cool things. Check them out. All right. Where are we? In the Gates of Morning. It feels good to bring that back. Where are we in the Gates of Morning ooh, campaign? The Gates of Morning. Ooh, stretching a little bit. Ooh, look, if uh, you need to catch up where we are on the Gates of Morning campaign, well, the last time we talked about it was episode 317. <laughs> oh, okay. We only took uh, a full year off then. Mm. <laughs> 20 episodes bi-weekly. So the Gates of Morning campaign is our 5th edition D&D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in the Shadow Marches, at the Gate of Wind, the party is trying to stop the quarry from unleashing the chaos of Zoriath onto the material plane. The Gate of Wind has exploded. Overloaded by the machinations of one of the quarry mine seeds the party has been systematically eliminating. But rather than the end of the world, uh, the party awakens in another life. One that feels even more real than the ones they had been living. Because right now, they are gatekeepers. Druidic protectors of the material plane, who are finally striking a blow 
against the forces of Zoriath. On the walls of the canyons nearby, there are illusions of the battles at the three other gates that display their progress. On a rocky promontory battered by high waves, a group just like theirs surrounds the Gate of Water, caught in the middle of an equally bloody battle. The Gate of Fire is nestled among steaming pools of lava, and aberrations and gatekeepers alike are on fire. And at the Gate of Earth, Galeb Dur and gargoyles smash themselves against tentacled monstrosities. But here at the Gate of Wind, their old friend Ephraim leads the ritual, invoking the Cerulean Sun. Isn't he dead? Uh, who can recall? Hmm. Invoking the Cerulean sign and leading the others in a chant in Druidic. The Biesk pool begins to bubble slowly, and a huge flying manta ray creature passes overhead, two gray slots leaping from its back and attack with dripping claws. Descending slowly from the sky comes a death kiss, a beholder-like creature with ten tentacles that end in spiked crimson pads. <laughs> Knowing that at least one of the group must invoke the sign at all times for the ritual to be completed, some of the gatekeepers peel away to fight. Lenore, the rogue, looses an arrow at the death's kiss. It misses, but a spark jumps from its body and smashes the arrow. One slob slashes at Decimus the Artificer and the other at Zan the Warlock. The, the death's kiss descends and wraps its tentacles tightly around Ephraim, Warden the Druid, and Decimus. Warden takes elemental form, and the tentacles, now holding only air, fall away. Decimus drops his backpack, which turns into a small mobile turret that emanates waves of bolstering energy. And Zan, as the warlock, fires Eldritch bolts at a slot. The slots again tear into the party, and the Death's Kiss grabs Zan. It flies upward, pulling the Warlock and Ephraim into the air. Then it electrocutes them both, drawing their life force into itself. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week, we are talking about weddings this is inspired by not even inspired but we were told by snark knight to <laughs> talk about up. weddings right he emailed us <laughs> long, realized, time <laughs> long time listener long time long time listener long time requester yes like, mm -hmm, has mm -hmm. has helped us find things when we've desperately needed to uh to have some ideas so uh yeah when snark knight asks we often answer <laughs> So he says, I realize there have been episodes on dinner parties and trials, and a lot of that advice is applicable, but there could be an episode entirely on weddings. What does the ceremony look like? What do different races and faiths look like? When do you start the massacre slash heist? The wedding is a cover for what? What? I would, uh, this, this is a sacred union between two or more people, and we would never, never suggest. Still a dowry. <laughs> <laughs> we went traditional and insisted on a dowry. <laughs> all right so yes weddings are a, a great set piece um and you know what if you haven't done a, a wedding in your game go for it there's so many touchstones in media i mean you know i think pro probably all of us have been to at least one wedding many of us have had weddings of our own planned them um it's it's a thing that like both is in real life, but then is in a lot of the types of games, you know, medieval fantasy games or whatever um, that a lot of us play. And so it's really easy to drop in and have people already sort of know the expectations. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a red wedding. Every wedding since the red wedding is a red it's wedding. It's a red wedding, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If it's not a red wedding, then very specifically, it was not a red wedding because we thwarted right. it. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, well, so there are a few different key roles in a wedding, obviously. You have the guests who are there to observe the wedding. Uh, you have the Slash participants. The Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, you have the participants, right? The uh, like the wedding party, the attendants, like everybody who makes the um, makes the wedding go, as well as the officiant or or whomever is sort of leading the procedural. Uh, and then naturally you have the betrothed, right? The uh, the two people who are 
committing themselves in uh, loving and contractual uh, right. matrimony. Holy slash unholy matrimony. So the first thing you want to think about is where do the PCs fit in, right? Are they simply guests who are attending? That gives them a lot of freedom in terms of what they're able to do. Are they participants? Are some of them participants? Are some of them in the wedding party and they have other obligations? Or Are some of them getting married? <laughs> mm-hmm. One or more. Like that, that I think is a very different type of game. If like one or more of your PCs, or especially if two of your PCs are getting married to each other, the expectations are extremely different. So you want to be setting the stakes here for any wedding that's happening in a session. Tell me you're single without telling me you're single. Oh, you want to pretend to play in a wedding? Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Plainly never planned a wedding before. (laughs) My least favorite thing about planning a wedding is that if all goes well, you never need to plan another wedding. And so everything that you learned, wasted. Yeah, that is the problem is that like you you have to get so much system mastery Mm -hmm. to work through the wedding process. Uh, and then it's just it's completely lost upon you, and everything is different by the time you know your children get married. So you can't even really share it. Oh yeah, no, you can you can just be a jerk and be like, "What are you talking about? There's no way hors d'oeuvres are that expensive, but they're definitely that expensive. They're definitely that expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there aren't no, there is no way for them to be that expensive, but you will pay that much for them. <laughs> That's the price. Nobody needs to have the term seated serve in their vocabulary, but anybody who's been married or who's planned a wedding knows what that means. It means you have to pay more. Why? Because that makes it nicer. No buffet. No buffet. No. Mm-mm. Open bar, no buffet. Okay, so questions to ask. Uh, and I think these are these are both like, if you're a GM, ask yourself these questions, but you can also just ask your table, like literally ask the players, why is this wedding happening? Right? Like, is, is the party the impetus for the wedding? Or is, is this really a set piece? You, you know, the it's the whatever, the prince's betrothal and this is going to end the war or whatever, right? Like these are the stakes. This wedding needs to happen in order to end a war, right? So obviously there are going to be interested parties to make sure it happens or make sure it doesn't happen. Where are the PCs in that? Who is it important to? Both in the fiction of your game, who is this wedding important to? And like that can include any of the guests. It could include the people who live in this you know, society that this wedding is going to affect. It could be the people who are actually getting married, but actually it doesn't necessarily need to be those people. Yeah. (laughs) Especially in like, you know, like medieval fantasy settings, right? Mm -hmm. Like weddings are political actions and contractual obligations, not usually, you know, declarations of love. (laughs) Right. And then at the table, who's this wedding important to, right? Like, even if it's not one of your PCs getting married, is it someone that they know? Is it an NPC that your um, party is close to? And that's part of the reason that they're, you know, in the wedding party or that they care that this goes off without a hitch or they care that, you know, they're getting married to a succubus in disguise and they just need to convince their charmed friend that that's actually what's happening, right? Along those lines, you want to figure out what are the PC's goals for the wedding set piece, right? Is it to stop the wedding, to ensure it goes through. Um, you know, it, it, it's okay for a wedding to just be a cozy moment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just about like making sure that everything goes off without a hitch, right? Uh, and, and so that could be as simple as like, oh, the chef has fallen ill and somebody needs to make sure the food is prepared. Or, you know, it could be, well, there's assassins trying to poison the food and kill everybody at the wedding, right? Like, Ideally, it's both of those things. There are assassins, but there still needs to be food because everyone's parents are here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Grandpa will get very cranky if he doesn't eat. And of course, those things can change midway through the wedding, right? As, uh, as circumstances reveal themselves. If you didn't know that beloved NPC was marrying a succubus, well... If that is revealed to you midway through, perhaps this becomes about stopping the wedding instead of embracing and, and being happy for your friend. Here's here's how it works. Um, benign transposition. I swap places with the succubus, but because of the heavy veiling, no one can tell. And so I take one for the team and get married to, M- to friendly NPC in their place. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I mean, friend PC is 
has a crushing amount of debt. So, <laughs> damn it. Like, now we're gonna be now we're gonna be delving in dungeons for the rest of our lives. Never mind. We ah, good. Can we like, say what you will about the succubus, succubus? But the succubus was gonna pay their bills. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the answer to these questions are gonna tell you how to run this, or you know, if you're a, a player, how like how to approach this wedding. Like there there is like um, a pratfall scenario where you know the highest stakes are whether or not the the cake comes out perfectly, right? And that can be a, a lot of fun. You know, if you have, but if you have the two PCs getting married to each other, that is going to be a very different game, both at the table and then in the fiction, um, from, you know, a, a union that is merging two states together or that changes the line of succession, right? And as soon as, mm. you know, the second person says, I do, right? Like this person is no longer regent, Right. All right. So let's move through this chronologically. The first thing that's usually going to happen is wedding prep. We're not going to get into like, you know, oh, did the proposal go off well or whatever. Like that, that's sort of like, I think, too early. That's, that's like a different, that's a different set piece. You know, like mm -hmm. helping someone to so like plan a proposal, that, that can also be fun. I think the first time that you're really talking about like a wedding is the initial wedding prep. Now, you know, in game, that might be a year and a half before the wedding. <laughs> depending it could I also mean, be a week i think i think in in most <laughs> for most of history a year and a half before your wedding was not practical it was, you had not met yet <laughs> <laughs> exactly like you, you can't plan a wedding before a winter right exactly <laughs> how will we know what your dowry is if the crops haven't come in for next year's harvest <laughs> can you guarantee you won't die no of course you can <laughs> exactly like a plague could come through at any time <laughs> so, mongol hordes could be here next monday I we better much, get married today pretty much guaranteed they will be <laughs> so this section might be skipped depending on your PC's role, like if you're just guests showing up and you're trying to eat as many, you know, shellfish as possible, then you won't be involved in wedding prep. But this is an opportunity to set a lot of different things in motion that will come to fruition during the ceremony. Rather than handling it chronologically in the game, it's it's a great opportunity to use flashbacks, mm -hmm. right? So you can, um, you know, if you observe something or, or um, make, you know, some... Uh, red flag during the ceremony, you can flash back to some related scene that might have tipped you off, right? Um, or, you know, if if you're trying to figure out what the next thing that you need to do is, well, you can flash back to the planning uh, that would then tell you, you know, where to proceed from there. Yeah, and I would say, like, if if your wedding is high stakes, then flashback is probably the way that you're going to experience most of the wedding prep, right? Because it's if it's a sort of fun, cozy wedding, then the prep leading up can can be sort of a nice table time and you can sort of enjoy it, right? But if, you know, there's a, a lot of like subterfuge and, you know, maneuvering during the actual ceremony, then, you know, talk about wedding prep in your flashback. Yeah. So wedding prep is the first time that your concerns, like your player's concerns about the wedding will probably arise, right? Like, why is it that these two people are getting married? If there is anything suspicious, this is where you start to sow doubts. It's an opportunity. It's a chance for investigations. Let let those happen. Let let them just sort of like follow whatever piques their interest about this. And it you know it may turn out that most of these things are totally by the book and everything's normal and fine. They just need like one, maybe two things that seem a little out of place. It's also a great way to uh, meet attendees early, right? Mm -hmm. Especially people who will be involved in the wedding itself and not just guests. Um, you know, you, you can you can get the rogues gallery early on via the prep site. Prep oh, scenes. yeah. Start the family drama now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, my, my family's flying in to help pick out a dress, right? Right. I need you to come with me and run interference. <laughs> Right. Or like the, uh, you know, the Seneschal who's had this uh, responsibility thrown on their shoulders is now uh, t having their loyalty tested. <laughs> so one thing here to keep in mind is if the point of all of this, if the fun that you're going to have at the table is the wedding, then you want 
to prevent things that prevent the wedding from happening, right? So gatekeep either the answers to why there should not be a wedding or evidence of why there should not be a wedding, one or both, right? It's too early to solve this mystery. Otherwise, like the wedding gets canceled, everyone goes on with their lives, but you don't get to have a big wedding set piece, right? Yes. Uh, well, so so part of that is also like the the drama doesn't need to come from the bride and groom or you know the um the the people getting married right like the drama can just come from the other attendees right and so the wedding won't be called off because um you know like two uncles are in a blood feud (laughs) right like the wedding is going to happen either way but you still have to manage the blood feud to ensure that they don't duel each other uh while they're cutting the cake yeah they they need to duel after Exactly. It, please, outside of the grounds, right? Because so if the, the, the if blood the, will soak in, right? If the if the killing happens after the wedding, then it's just family infighting and not a feud right. between two families. Exactly. So, in this part of prep, you have you might have PCs that are suspicious, but they should be in some way in the dark, or they may know what's going on, but unable to prove it to the parties in order to get the wedding canceled, right? Or it, like you said, Shane, it's a scenario where the wedding wouldn't get canceled, but it's still a challenge. Right. They might even have evidence in hand, but not understand its significance. And so they're not going to try to stop the wedding yet, but later they'll, you know, they can realize like, oh, I've had this evidence all along. Okay. Now how do I present it in a manner that, you know, doesn't embarrass everybody? Right. And then if you're going for the more cozy route, right, you can have a shopping montage right like you can have fun picking out all the like goofy details that go into planning a wedding and like what's important and you know what what type of flowers do you have and uh how many um you know how many different colors will be represented in the flowers and in each of the bouquets on the tables or whatever is important to the players themselves to discuss as they're imagining this wedding, right? right. It can be a, a nice little lighthearted challenge about, you know, can the band make it on time and can, you know, uh, you know, like, will they be able to get the venue that they want and can they negotiate with the other group that had it booked first and whatever, right? Yeah, like a good media touchstone here might be like, I mean, there's so many wedding movies, right? But even like Bridesmaids, right? Like there is drama in the wedding party there is a villain in the wedding party but it's never a question of whether the wedding is going to happen right like it's going right. it's going to happen and no one's actually trying to stop the wedding um there's like you could have like you know government bureaucracy like actually when i went to get my wedding license they almost didn't give it to me because their database didn't have a hyphen in my name and i was like well it has one and i don't i don't i don't know what to tell you i can't like I can't change the license that I have on me. And uh, so eventually they just wore down and gave, gave me the license. That's amazing. That's yeah. great. Um, and I think a nice thing that you can do here is the tone can flip between mundane and serious. Like even if the fate of the kingdom rests on this wedding, it can still be really important that like they the have tux, the right the flowers. Looks good. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Exactly. Right. Like, like it, the, 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 the wedding will be called off by the bride if everything isn't perfect, right? Uh, like, consequences for the nation be damned. Yeah, plus, like, there's etiquette, both, you know, made-up fantasy etiquette, which is, like, a great opportunity here to throw in things that, you know, don't actually exist, but are obstacles that, like, either your your characters would be aware of or they're not aware of, and now they're discovering it with, like, history checks or whatever, right? But, like, you can't get that color flower uh, because... Those are the flowers for a funeral. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, <laughs> if yep. if we have a delegation from across the sea come here and they see purple flowers, we will all be murdered. Right. Um, this is also like a good good place for the uh, like, you know, the um, intersection of culture kind of uh, you know fish out of water feeling right like mm-hmm. uh, the the human side is coming to the uh, wood elf um, wedding and well most of the human attendees have never been married in the treetops or never attended a, a wedding in the treetops that is um, 
a little bit different than getting married in a big hall or, you know, like having a large dance floor and a live band. Right. Oh, this is your first Fay wedding. You're a bit overdressed. And by that, I mean dressed. Dressed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you were like using color swatches. You should have been working out. Yeah. you. I don't know why you're wearing two ribbons when one ribbon is clearly more than enough. So in order to use a, a cultural touchstone effectively and and easily to, you know, to insert something into your game that everybody at your table already understands, um, lots of times you use something traditional, right? Even, even if like your players are not traditional, everybody usually understands what like a, you know, a traditional Western wedding ceremony looks like, right? So it can be very easy to sort of like take that wholesale, take the image that we all have in our heads and just stick it into your game. So everybody knows when things are out of place, when they're not, what is the order that things are usually supposed to happen and what are the expectations culturally, et cetera, et cetera, right? But, and, and that is fine to do. And it, it doesn't mean that your players or the person running the game thinks that that's how a wedding should be. This is simply how the two people who are getting married or their families or whatever think that this wedding should be, right? Mm -hmm. But the other thing that you can do is just explain in-game what is traditional and what is not. So like in a fantasy setting or, or whatever, aliens, a wedding can look like anything, anything at all that you can possibly imagine. And all you need to do is tell your players, this is what you expect. This is exactly what, you know... Uh, an Altarian wedding ceremony that all of you have been to is like, right? But this is the thing that you notice is out of place, or this is the thing that you know is going to be a huge faux pas, right? And you can come up with anything that you want. It's even a nice opportunity for people to like go around the table and you make up a thing, you make up a thing, you make up a thing, right? We're not making up a weird wedding ceremony. We're making up a very traditional wedding ceremony that everybody understands. Right. All right, so the next thing, the sort of like next point for drama is probably the night before the ceremony. And that is because uh, probably this is a, a chance for you to have a stag or hen night or a bachelor or bachelorette party or whatever, right? Like, don't be afraid to lean into or completely away from all of these heteronormative conventions because people at least understand them, right? So either we are doing this or not doing this, but everyone's on the same page. Mm -hmm. And this probably is like the first like really good time for enemies to strike, however they might be, right? Like this is the time that the two uncles have now been put in the same room at the same time because they're all at the rehearsal dinner. Right. Or, I mean, you know, this is basically the hangover, right? Like, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like this, this is what happens is, is you, you have the party the night before and then the day of there's, you know, you're missing somebody critical. Right. In that case, the groom every time. Right. right. The groom has passed out and now we slit his throat. Right. <laughs> so that might manifest itself as a battle, right? Like a, a set piece of assassins or kidnappers or whatever, right? Um, but it also just might be somebody obtaining evidence or leverage or, you know, making a threat, um, otherwise casting into doubt some part of the wedding the next day. Yeah, I think this is a good chance where if you're not planning on having a big battle royale at the actual ceremony, this is a good time to do it. One, you know, you just sort of cut down on the number of like pieces you need to put on the board. It makes it easier to run, right? Mm -hmm. For for players, if if you if you have agency over when a battle can happen, this is better because obviously there are far fewer like spectators and people who could get injured, right? It also yep. means you could potentially mop things up and then the ceremony can go off without a hitch. Yep. And then, you know, in a cozy wedding, this is where, you know, uh, the the two different sides of the wedding, right? Like there's a conflict between two people. Uh, it can even come to blows, but it's the night before, so it doesn't ruin anything on the big day. Other than, you know, somebody shows up with a black eye. Well, that's what alter self is for or a, or a disguise kit. Right. <laughs> I'm going to have to ooh, fix that shiner. If I have two black eyes and people just think that's normal, that's how he'll always look. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a half raccoon. <laughs> what? You 
You're wrong with that. <laughs> That's what. Why? Why do you think I'm eating out of the trash can? <laughs> this is normal for my species. <laughs> All right, and then the next point for drama: the day of the ceremony. Not quite the ceremony yet, but the day of. It, it, and for your party, this is the last chance to really move in the open without everybody literally watching what you're doing. So any pieces you yeah. need to you put into place. If you have a plan. Right. The, this is when you need to go, you know, slip the officiant some money to slightly change the vows. Or this is the time when, you know, you track down the evidence that, yes, the groom actually is a succubus or whatever. Or, you know, likewise, this is the moment where the chef falls ill or mm -hmm. the efficient is uh, is missing or, you know, uh, grandpa has wandered off and has to be found. But doesn't want to be found. <laughs> yeah this is this is the time when problems are no longer going to be fixable right like if you have the chef fall ill the night before it's easy to find a replacement if they fall ill this morning well now one of the pcs has to step in yeah now you're the replacement <laughs> congratulations you've just been promoted to chef um, get I, to work on that raspberry compote immediately uh, i like here um if you involve the party somehow now in the ceremony itself and you know if they began as guests if they were just going to attend a friend's wedding or a state function or whatever now right the chef falls ill or you know no one can find the best man or whatever this is an opportunity for pcs to step up and step in and i i say i would say ideally only some of the party has those official responsibilities it it like a nice fun way to split the party where like one person is now up in front at the you know front of the church or is now you know has uh, has been masquerading uh, as a priest and now has to be the officiant and you know yeah. muddle their way through this while you're gonna people... know if that ceremony spell isn't real <laughs> <laughs> but while other people in the party are able to move more freely Right. And you, so you, you can have this sort of nice dynamic where, you know, I'm I'm the best man. So I sneeze on purpose to distract so that my compatriots can, you know, steal something out of somebody's pocket in like in the audience. Right. I, I will say the temptation here is probably there can be a real temptation to have the party be security in some way um find something better than that in most cases because security for a wedding is one a little ham-fisted uh but two like kind of isn't a wedding anymore right like from from a then it's just any other event right like then instead of what's going on in the wedding like you're just checking the doors and you know keeping an eye on the crowd and making your spot checks right like th that's a very different kind of uh wedding experience then right like you want them to be involved in the wedding itself or just attendees right that don't have those responsibilities because it's it's just yeah it's easy to be the ruffians who are defaulting to security always like that doesn't really put you in the wedding that makes you staff right yeah like the fun of this is the restriction of it being a wedding right like the barbarian right. can't just split someone's head open it's a wedding right right and you put them in security or or anything like that like if you're a player or you're running this think about the experience at the table what is it that is different from your usual fare and if you're running security then you are making the same skill checks you're doing the same things but also, you know, think about, like, what are you wearing? If you're the rigger and you're always in the van, well, you're actually not allowed to be in the van right now. You have to be at the wedding and you can't send a drone. And don't you dare try to wear Google Glass either. <laughs> not black tie appropriate. <laughs> I wrote it on the invitation. <laughs> no glass holes. All right. And then we move on to the ceremony itself. So now everyone's in place, right? Either sweating in the kitchen or trying to memorize these vows or you know, quickly reading through hymns and realizing this is not your denomination or whatever, right? 
But that'll tell you how subtle your party needs to be as they move through this ceremony to make sure that it either happens or doesn't happen or whatever, or, you know, to keep people in line or not. It's also, you know, a good time to make note of, uh, of who's important that is in attendance, right? And, and who's important could be literal, you know, monarchs and regents. It could be uh, influential figures in the community. It could just be, you know, the family members themselves, right? Like the most important person in a cozy wedding is probably, you know, uh, a, a grandparent or, uh, or a parent or maybe a sibling, right? Depending on where your source of drama is coming from. <laughs> right. Like the people in attendance are the biggest restriction on your actions, right? Either, you know, they can see what you're doing or it is their experience that you are trying to cultivate, right? So right. like if, you know, grandma is the matriarch of the entire clan, she needs to have a good time at this wedding. She needs to right. feel like it went off without a hitch. She needs to feel like everyone like looked the right way. She needs to feel like the pictures are good. She needs to feel like it was expensive enough, but not too expensive. You know, like all of these levers that you have. Um, going in at this point, the everyone in the party should already understand like what is the goal? What what equals a win condition for you, right? And yep. it, it can be a little tough getting to this point to balance out both the like apocalyptic end of the world scenario if this doesn't happen versus the very mundane, but but keep this in mind, equally important personal experiences of the guests. Right. All right. And then at that point, every wedding is going to be a little bit different, but in general, your runner show is going to go basically like, first off, there's a seating, Right. People take their places. The the ushers put people where they're supposed to go. This is a good time for maneuvering, putting people where you want them to go. If you need to execute a switcheroo, this is the time to do that. Then there's a greeting, right? Everyone is in the place that they're supposed to be. And then whoever's running the show is setting the stage for here's what's going to happen. You can... Whoever is setting the stage can set that stage however they want. For the most part, even if people think uh, whatever's happening is unorthodox, they do not go up and try to interrupt the ceremony at this point because everyone is now bound by the rules of etiquette, right? Now you can, this is on your side. Then you typically have like the introduction or presentation of the betrothed. Um, you know, where they're standing before the audience and then some type of sermon or lecture or words or, you know, kind of preamble um, uh, about, you know, the importance of the wedding or the importance of the people or the, um, the importance of their love or whatever it is, right? Uh, uh, write the words according to the, you know, <laughs> purpose for marriage. Um there might be music uh, at some point around here, and then you get into what is uh, often most important are the vows, right? So that's where you probably want to spend some time on the specifics. Uh, and the vows, of course, uh, indicate what's important to the people themselves, right, that are getting married. Uh, it speaks to what's important for their communities or their cultures. Um, it might also speak to the values of, you know, their uh, families, their jobs, their, you know, place in government or in, you know, the aristocracy or, or whatever it is, right? So those vows speak a lot about what type of wedding you're at. Yeah, and these sections, right, like the sermon or the lecture, the music, the vows, these are this is where the drama about like the length of the ceremony always comes in, right? Like probably it's, it's nice to put some time pressure in here. Either I need more time because I need this cake to rise. So can, can you <laughs> drag it out? Right. Make your sermon longer. Right. Or, <laughs> Oh, the demon horde is coming and The only way to stop it, stop it is for, you know, the two houses to be joined at the at high noon or whatever, right? I really need you to speed this up so that we can 
we can say I do at the right time, you know? Right. And, you know, this is great if you're the person giving the sermon or the lecture, but, you know, there are ways to signal it as well. And then even even instances where it seems like it would be difficult to influence, um, you know, as a member of the wedding party, maybe there's like a telepathic or even just a subtle whispering way to like, you know, encourage one of the uh, betrothed to like go off script and really speak from the heart. Like, sure, you say all your vows, but then like really tell them how you, how you feel. Take like a good five minutes and really tell them how you feel, you know? Just a real, I'm gonna let you finish. (laughs) (laughs) And, and if you want, this is a, a, maybe a fun time to get into the specifics of the vows. Like I think about when, Queen Elizabeth II got married, right? It was like a big deal that she left in obey. I think, I oh, think yeah? she left it. Do you, you think about that a lot? All the time you, I think, you think about, about it. Yeah. You think about a wedding from the 1930s, really? A lot? <laughs> but it was it was a big deal because, you know, what what does that mean in terms of her legal and governmental obligations, right? Right. Also at the same time, like given the given the temporal authority who governs weddings in your setting, do you need to say a specific set of words? You need to say, I do, right? Can, can you say yes, right? Like, can, can you nod, right? Like what, what is, mm-hmm. what is required? Like afterwards or, or during, you can think about the legalese, like what is it that someone missed about the wedding ceremony? Is it, is it actually, did you actually not get married technically, right? Like uh, Princess Bride, right? When Humperdinck gets impatient, he's just like, just say man and wife. And like, no one says, no, you can't do that in the moment. But as soon as he's gone, everyone's like, that wasn't a real wedding. Right. Right. Like that didn't actually happen. She's not actually married. Right, right. In 2009, when Obama first got inaugurated, so it's, Justice John Roberts, who is administering the oath of office, right? So he says like one line, Obama repeats it, says another line, Obama repeats it right all the way through, like, you know, hand on the Bible and all that. But Roberts gets a line wrong. He says one word wrong. It still makes grammatical sense, but it's not the oath of office, right? And Obama, who is, you know, a lawyer and a legal scholar, knew that he got it wrong, so he said the right words, the correct words, instead of merely repeating what John Roberts said. However, there was enough concern that maybe, possibly, this wasn't an actual swearing-in ceremony that counted, that the two of them went aside with other witnesses right afterward and just quickly repeated it and did it just to make sure that like all the, the T's were crossed. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You should absolutely <laughs> incorporate that into a wedding. Absolutely. Right. Like, because the de- the devil doesn't care. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> From that point, you generally have the recessional, you know, where, where everybody like, you know, leaves the front of the room and proceeds out. And then you go into the, uh, the most important part of, of the wedding, of course, the reception, um, you know, typically there's going to be some type of refreshment, dinner, some form of entertainment or dancing. Um, you know, there could be challenges. There could be presentations of gifts. You know, the the more of state wedding, the more it becomes about political favor, the more cozy, the more it becomes about family. Um, and, and, you know, like you that presents the kind of next um dinner party phase, if you will, right. of the wedding, <laughs> which is perfectly fair to reserve the drama for that part as well, mm-hmm. right? Certainly a red wedding uh, is gonna is typically going to happen in the reception, not in the ceremony. Yeah, it's, it's sort of nice to like give your party the wins, right? Like nothing bad happened during the ceremony. It went off without a hitch or with one hitch, right? Uh, the right one. Yeah, the, the hitch, you right. know, when we hitched the dowry to our wagon or to our horses and, <laughs> and drove left. them away. <laughs> it's fair payment. But that that just means that during this entire ceremony, of course, there's still the tension of when does the attack happen? We know there will be right. an attack. Right. 
So let's talk about what the aftermath of a wedding could be. So what is like what was the thing that you were trying to make sure happened or that you were trying to prevent, right? And then the consequences spill out depending on how the party succeeded during the ceremony, right? If there are governmental changes, then great. Those get enacted immediately. And, you know, the regent is deposed and now there's a new line of succession, et cetera, et cetera, right? That all happens. Great. And you can see that happen. Or vice versa. And your friend's family has run out of the country because, you know, we can't have usurpers <laughs> living right. here. Or equally valid, sometimes just as fun to now just narrate the really happy ending. Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay to just, uh, you know, ride off in a white carriage and, you know, catch up with the with the bride and groom or their families or whatever the consequences were a week later. <laughs> like, like mm -hmm. it's okay for the wedding to just have been a success because the players made it so. Yeah, like I think about every, I don't know, every few years there, there are like famous comic book characters who get married, right? Uh, and or like every sitcom has a, a wedding episode where like the two characters everyone's been wanting to get together finally get together and yeah and you you know you say Rachel's name right right now tonally if you were running this you need to think is this like a third season cliffhanger where things don't go right and that's part of the drama and the fun. Or is this a thing that people have been waiting for for so long and you need to finally give it to them or they're going to be pissed that it got snatched away from them? Right? Like, and, you know, if, if, it's like two PCs, if it's two PCs getting married, you probably just need to let them get married, right? Right. Now, that may be your intention. A thing to consider then here is your system. You know, how much leeway does your system give you to let it happen or not let it happen or whatever? And like, how does your table usually play this stuff? If you're like a you know, full verisimilitude, we play the dice out in the open where it lies kind of table, then make sure that everyone understands that, look, if luck isn't with you, then like one of you might get slaughtered here and you don't actually get to get married and you don't get your happy ending. Is right, that what you want right. to do? Or are we narrating this in the background in between sessions? We, we have uh, made some allusions to, uh, other other media that have covered uh, weddings and, and how those go uh, made some jokes about the red wedding. Obviously, is uh, you know probably about the worst wedding that you could possibly have. Um, I I'm going to shout out the wedding episode of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when uh, like they have a zombie outbreak <laughs> at their <laughs> wedding on Halloween, uh, and, and it turns out to be you know like. The, the typical like contamination poison like led to whatever right but like there's a real mystery on our hands of like what happened at that wedding and how do we escape <laughs> and it's you know it's sunny so none of it is serious and it's a farce um but it really like it takes that wedding formula that you know and love and turns it into a bit of a like horror adventure uh and then pivots to a mystery right which is a good arc for uh, a role-playing game obviously you know it's also always sunny so it's full of sociopaths running around and being unpleasant but um you know like that that's part of the appeal of the show so um also which rpg adventure party isn't slightly sociopathic mm, yeah more than slightly and and fun to be around <laughs> i mean i like i really like the idea of not just running a wedding, but like doing a genre mashup wedding, right? Because I mean, you're going to do that no matter what, right? Depending on the game you're playing, it's going to be a sci-fi wedding or a medieval fantasy mm -hmm. wedding or, you know, like whatever. Yep. It It's just as easy to be like, oh, this is going to be a horror wedding. You don't know that it's going to be a horror wedding, but it is. Right. All right. Do you hear that, Ishan? I would say wedding bells, but we destroy the steeple. Kill the succubus, but destroy the steeple. That can only mean one thing. It must be the Character Creation Forge. But before we go to the Character Creation Forge, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane, at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice, minus meat. 
And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. So this week in The Forge, we're doing a little, something a little bit different. We're not going to run through every single possible thing that this character can do. We're just going to hit the highlights. And uh, I have only built through level 10 because after that, you get the idea and you can basically do whatever you want. All right. Which, I don't know, maybe this is a format we'll use in the future. We'll see. What is everybody's type? Everybody's type is uh, everybody's type. Literally everybody's. Everybody's type is the perfect partner. This is a person who not only uh, can get anybody to marry them, but is right, is right for them. You know, um, both, uh, there's a spark, right? You always need that initial spark, but you know, they've, they've got uh, the tools and the abilities to make this relationship last. All right. So what's the build? It is Changeling Alchemist Artificer 7, Mastermind Rogue 3. And then after that, take any artificer or rogue you like. So Changeling is obvious here, right? You can be anyone. Male, okay. female, neither. You can look like anyone. That, that's the thing, right? People sometimes hear people who are like, look, I'm, I'm everybody's type. Okay, no, you're not. Nobody is. Because people have different preferences, sexual preferences, some people like beards, some people don't, whatever, right? Uh, everybody's type can look like anybody. So there is nobody who, there isn't the possibility of being into this character, unless you're not in anybody, but you know what? They'd also be a great platonic life partner, so. Unless you identify as an attack helicopter. I think they could probably figure out how to. There's a size a, restriction. Yeah, or gasoline or something like that. But anyway, there's a size all right. restriction. All right, so they're going to get expertise and insight because what is important in a partner? It is being able to understand your partner's needs. What is it that they actually want? Sometimes they don't even know what they want, right? We're not looking for persuasion here. You can, you can take persuasion. That's fine. We're definitely not looking for deception. We're looking for insight. Now, you might be wondering, okay. oh, the perfect partner right? Someone that everybody's into. Why is this not a bard? Because we want someone who's going to stay married, not just someone yeah. who can get married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you mean? Why, why would it be a bard? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the last person. All right. Like, right. Look, look, I am married. Shane, you are married. Uh, the data indicates anybody can get married. Okay. True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, and neither of us are divorced. Because we're not bards, clearly. Obviously. Cannot sing. You don't want to be that person with the guitar at the party. Because sure, maybe you can pull, but seven years later, it's not, it's not going to take seven years before, before they're itchy, okay? Also, they're an artificer because what is the, the most popular gift for anniversaries? Jewelry. It is Jewelry. And we now have a character who can make jewelry. Not just any jewelry, magical jewelry. I'm not for nothing. There's also a pretty important piece of jewelry in most wedding ceremonies. So, you know, got to make your own ring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Obviously, we are focusing on charisma, intelligence, uh, and wisdom. 90% of marital strife can be handled by cantrips, which is why this character <laughs> takes both mending and prestidigitation Okay, <laughs> how many fights are caused by dirty dishes? I thought like money is the number one thing that couples fight over. How do those no way with money? No way. You're an adventurer. You're swimming in gold. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Prestidigitation lets you clean things instantaneously. Oh my god. Oh oh. Whoops. Did I did I forget to to clean that? Oh sorry. Well, it's clean now. It's immediately clean. Great. Um. I cook the food in my relationship, and the thing that annoys me the most is there are always inevitably distractions after I have perfectly timed every dish to get to the table so that it is the right temperature so that people can eat it. Now my food is cold. My food is cold. Why did I bother? Why did I even bother? Well, pressed digitation can heat food up to the perfect temperature anytime that I want to do it. It can also flavor it. I don't even need to cook it. It can just be delicious gruel. 
Okay. <laughs> I took care Great. of takeout. I took care of cleanup. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you drop things. People get upset because you I broke your favorite mug, I guess. Well, you know what? Mending. I'll just mend it. It's like it never happened. In fact, I may not even tell you that I broke it for like the 14th time. This is not any faster than the old format. This is worse. <laughs> it's easier. To, it's easier to write. This is so much worse. Right. Tool proficiency and alchemist tools. Uh, as an alchemist, you get potions. Many of these potions are very helpful uh, for your spouse. Your healing, uh, but flight. Okay, like if I had, if I was um, in a relationship with someone who could hand me a potion uh, to the, let me fly for ten minutes. Um, I would be extremely happy. The other one, of course, is Alter Self, uh, which is great because, you know, if I'm having a bad hair day, it would be lovely for someone to be able to hand me a potion that can fix it for an hour. Or, you know, if I have an important Zoom meeting. Yes, (laughs) a potion of hairspray. (laughs) Here's maybe the most important part. As a feat, the feat you will take is Eldritch Adept for the Warlock Invocation Gaze of Two Minds. What this does is allow you to touch a willing humanoid, and you can see through their senses. Not see through. You can experience things through their senses, which I think just solves a lot of fights, you know, because sure, we saw things differently. But now that I can see through your eyes, when I go to the bathroom closet to look for the thing that I insisted was not there, now I can see it because I'm seeing through your eyes. So... In the same way that you think that will solve everything, fortunately, with seven levels of Artificer, we have Flash of Genius, so that you will not fail the insight check that will tell you that's a horrible idea. <laughs> Look, you said that the buzzing is really loud, and I don't understand because I can't hear it, but now I can hear it. Now I can hear it. <laughs> that was not relationship advice, but very good relationship <laughs> advice. <laughs> All right, Mastermind will give you expertise, insight, and persuasion are both good here. Insight, obviously. Mm -hmm. But we're really here for the bonus action help, which means that I can be doing whatever it is that I am doing. And if you need my help, even if you don't need my help, I can help you either by giving advice or, I don't know, magically somehow just giving you advantage on whatever it is you're doing. I can just do it all the time, all the time. I can just make you better at everything that you do as long as I'm around. This is insufferable. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, at higher levels, I might take Wizard Initiate to get Mage Hand, which obviously means that I don't need to get up to get things for you. I can just get them. Uh, or Unseen Servant, which can be cast as a ritual, uh, which is excellent because now neither of us has to do anything. We just have a servant. Okay. Spell storing item is great because um, I can share the wealth. You know, I. You have to go to work today? Great. Here's a spell storing rod of, I don't know, invisibility, I guess. You know, who who would leave that person? Um, <laughs> and then as a capstone ability, you get uh, animate objects if you go to 17 in Artificer. And sure, have we talked in previous forges about how you can use animate objects to take 10 silver dollars and use them to kill anything in the monster manual? Yes, we have done that. But that is not what we will do. We will, of course, be animating a sink full of dishes so they clean themselves and put themselves away that's what we will do oh so you can finally live in the uh in the beauty and the beast castle like you've always wanted yes yes um and so they can talk to me and so that um i can not worry about why there's a child here and is this child was this child born a teacup or have they just been trapped as a child horrendously for a hundred years Yo, why you got to make it so bad about Chip? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There there are no good answers. Mrs. Potts is a lovely mother. Leave her alone. She and Chip will be happy. I'm just, I'm just one. Who's the father? Never mind. Never mind. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. None of it matters. All right. I have the, this character has the insight to know not to delve further. Before we wrap up, (laughs) we want to take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. 
And if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are talking about the rogue subclass tier list. Our own. In the character creation forge? We're building Bard Moon Rising. Well, that's it for episode 337 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name. Either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.